Instead of focusing on winning arguments, we're teaching the basic fundamentals of sales and marketing and how we can use them to win in the world of politics, teaching you how to meet people where they're at on the issues they care about. Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show. 10 years of legal recreational cannabis and it is just the beginning. We're going to talk about all that and more. Hey there, folks. Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show. Thank you for joining us on, of course, another fun-filled episode. I am, as always, your humble host. Joining you, yes, from our lovely, lovely Stratus IP studios here in eastern Indiana. Don't let outdated business technology or cyber attacks and cyber threats put your company at risk. Learn more at briannicholshow.com forward slash Stratus IP or go ahead and get your free business technology consultation over at briannicholshow.com forward slash Stratus IP. Stratus IP, business technology simplified. All right, folks. So before we go ahead and get on to today's episode, I want to go ahead and give a shout out to one of our phenomenal sponsors and that is Right Strategies. Now, folks, if you are a uh, folk who's out there running for political office or if you are a, a business owner out there trying to help make a difference in the digital landscape. Well, we have a great opportunity for you who, uh, for you here, and that is joining Right Strategies. They're going to help you with a proven track record of helping their clients win elections, but also grow their businesses using start, uh, smart strategic digital marketing. They're going to be a perfect partner to help you reach your goals. Also, with an SMS texting feature from Right Strategies, you're going to receive an efficient, affordable, and smart way to focus your marketing budget by reaching tens of thousands of voters and customers, making a powerful impact on the outcome of your elections, but also of your business growth. From social media management to expert graphic design work to marketing your product or campaign or to helping you build your brand, Right Strategies can put together a plan that makes sense for you and your goals and do so within your budget. So if you want to learn more about how Right Strategies can help you win your elections and grow your business, head to briannicholshow.com forward slash RS and get your free campaign and marketing plan report card. But of course, you got to make sure you let more Morgan and her team know that I sent you. One more time, that's briannicholshow.com forward slash RS, amplifying your message where voters and customers spend their time. All right, folks. So yeah, 10 years of legal cannabis, and it wouldn't be possible without folks uh, like our guests today who are leading the charge, uh, both when we're talking about it from a cultural standpoint, but also from a legal standpoint with that. Joining us on the show, Mason Tavert and Brian Vincente. Thanks for joining the show, gents. Thanks so much. How are you guys doing? Thank you for joining us today. What's new in your world? Well, we're 10 years into legal cannabis, so that's been very exciting. Uh, we just did it a big event with the governor, uh, U.S. senator, and the Denver mayor to celebrate that milestone here in Colorado. So it's Wow. Uh, we're still buzzing off that. <laughs> Literally and figuratively. 10 years. That It seems just like yesterday, frankly, that the conversation had really entered into the kind of national foray. You have folks on all sides of the aisle who really got into a, a, a fluster over the past 10 years, it seems. And yet now you fast forward a decade later and it's kind of normalized, right? We've gotten to the point now where we had the hemp bill. I forget which year that was passed, but that helped legalize uh, Delta 8, Delta 10, all these other uh, kind of same church, different pew products. But really, it all started with the work you guys did 10 years ago. So let's kind of set the stage here. Where did this all start uh, back when we were trying to get uh, some cannabis legalization? And how did we get to uh, from where we were to where we are today? Jump ball. Brian's older, so he can go ahead. Yeah, I'm slightly <laughs> taller, so I'm going to catch the jump ball. 
so yeah, both Mason and I started doing work to reform marijuana laws in Colorado in like the early mid two thousands. So this has been, it was a long campaign and we had a long way to go. And at that point, I mean, marijuana had been functionally illegal in our country for, you know, 80 years. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, you know, I started doing a lot of legal work. I'm an attorney representing uh, medical marijuana patients, people, AIDS, dying and using medical cannabis, being prosecuted. Mason did a ton of wonderful work around like media and educational campaigns, which we'll talk about trying to educate the public on the fact that marijuana is safer than alcohol and adults should be able to use it responsibly. And we kind of ran these campaigns, you know, intensively for about eight years up until 2012, when we were able to place a a statewide measure on the ballot uh, to make Colorado the first place in, in the history of the world to legalize cannabis for adults and set up a regulatory uh, framework. <laughs> and they did. And, and, and to your point, Brian, you know, we're now 10 years in and there's been a lot of successful metrics along the way, but maybe one of the most important ones is we now have 18 other states that have legal cannabis. So we, we kind of started the way, wow. but other states got on board. We also have uh, several countries, including Canada that have come on board to legalize cannabis. And, and, and we'll actually have five states, not Indiana, unfortunately, but five other states uh, voting to legalize cannabis this November. So just in, in a couple of short weeks. Wow. That's pretty darn cool. And here really quick, I'm going to share this uh, screen. Cause I, you know, I, my favorite platform, it's Twitter. I know, I know, sue me. Um, however, uh, I do have my favorite tweet I ever did and actually went super, super viral. And it was my scary marijuana stats uh, tweet. Number one, 88,000 deaths annually are attributed to excessive use. Two, every day, 30 people in the U.S. die in car crashes that involve a marijuana impaired driver. Number three, teen marijuana use kills 4,700 people per uh, each year. Number four, LOL, JK, those stats are about alcohol. To your point, right, that is something that there is such a common misconception that alcohol is safer than marijuana and just the way that we, we've... I mean, just glorified and and really brought alcohol to be, you know, the 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 really common party drug. You go to any college campus, and I'd be remiss to find any type of alcohol within at least you know five square feet of an area. So let's talk about what what what's been that I guess response you guys have seen. And Mason, maybe you've experienced this more dealing with the actual you know PR side of things when you have such a ingrained mentality that. Yeah, alcohol's safer than marijuana. Marijuana is the thing that turns your eggs into a a fried egg, like Nancy Reagan said. Well, yeah, you know, we actually uh, back in two thousand and five started an organization called Safer, which uh, stood for Safer Alternative for Enjoyable Recreation, and the entire message behind the organization was was that cannabis is safer than alcohol, and the whole strategy really was was to educate the public about that simple fact because once people understand that. Uh, they tend to support making cannabis legal. And at that time, you know, uh, about 15 years ago, um, only about a third of, of the American population recognized that cannabis is safer than alcohol. About a third thought they were equally harmful and a third actually mm-hmm. thought alcohol was safer. And over, you know, the next seven years of, of Safer's work and, and other work that has taken place around the country, uh, we've seen those numbers change dramatically. And at this point, polling now shows that most Americans do recognize that cannabis is less harmful. But um, you're absolutely right that that alcohol is, is very deeply ingrained in, in our culture, uh, as is cannabis. Alcohol has been far more accepted, and, and it'll be interesting to see the extent to which cannabis is. But, you know, it's not just um, that alcohol is, uh, you know, prominent on college campuses. I mean, you know, we live in a, a city where our professional baseball team plays at Coors Field. Right. Um, you know, it's just widely known, widely accepted state 
local governments sign contracts with beer companies and liquor companies to have them as their official vendors. I mean, it'll be interesting to see to what extent that occurs with cannabis. I, I think that we will see it a bit, but what's interesting is that a lot of folks hold up the alcohol industry as well as the tobacco industry um, as uh, reasons why it shouldn't happen with cannabis. And, you know, they say, well, we made a mistake with alcohol, so let's not do it here. And, you know, if all things were equal, if we were talking about taking alcohol names off of all sports stadiums, then I'd say, sure, neither of them should be, you know, promoted that way. But seeing as we are promoting alcohol in this way, I think that it's really bad policy to not allow cannabis to have parity there. I mean, to, to basically have official policies that say, alcohol is more acceptable than a less harmful substance. And that that just makes no sense. And Brian, talk to us about how difficult I'm sure it must be when you're trying to unwind just, I mean, how many years of convoluted legal garbage. And yet you have to deal with the cultural aspects. We all know politics is downste- uh, downstream from culture. So with that, you can't really get too much political movement until you get people at least on board from that cultural perspective. So I'm sure it must be just like bashing your head against a wall over, over and over again sometimes when you're having to deal with this process, uh, you know, in the legal aspect. Yeah, that's true. I mean, there's a lot of, of poor, of miseducation, you know, disinformation uh, that we had to sort of educate people around. Right. And, you know, I've received death threats, both Mason and I have been, you know, pushed around by cops. I mean, it's like there was a, a very ingrained uh, prohibitionist mentality for years. And, um, you know, we were able to kind of push back against that. And, um, you know, a lot of that was just, you know, trying to get the public to think about the fact that cannabis is safer than alcohol for the user, trying to show them a face of a medical marijuana patient who says, hey, I'm just trying to to take these pills and cannabis helps with that. Why do I have to go to jail? <laughs> you know, things like that. And then showing that the regulated medical marijuana market could work in our state. And we now have, you know, dozens and dozens of states with medical marijuana laws. And, and once adults begin to th- say, wait a second, cannabis is being sold from the store and you know, their jaw drops, but then they realize, hey, it's regulated, it's producing jobs, there's tax revenue. And if we can do that for medical patients, why can't we do that for all kind of responsible adult consumers? So mm-hmm. it was a it was a battle. It took a number of campaigns and efforts and uh, educational efforts over the years. But, um, you know, we wore the public down and we, I think, educated them on the fact that, uh, you know, it's a better path for prohibition of cannabis. Yeah, well, we're, and we're 10 years in, right? A decade now from where you guys started to where we are today. So what's the future look like? And I know we, we're talking about, you know, hopefully seeing cannabis, I guess, as accepted. Can we say it like that? As accepted as alcohol, right? Um, but maybe less stigma, maybe as more fair. So where, where do we see things heading maybe over the next 10 years? In the world of wine, there are so many choices, and that's why Blood of Tyrants Wine has tyrants losing their heads. Whether you're looking for a new go-to at home or want to impress your friends at a party, Blood of Tyrants Wine has you covered. And if you're trying to get rid of some pesky tyrants in your life, well, we've got that covered too. Head to briannicholshow.com forward slash wine and get $5 off your order. One more time, briannicholshow.com forward slash wine. Free men don't ask permission, so take a sip. You'll be glad you did. Well, I think we're going to see, you know, as Brian mentioned earlier, a number of state, a 
additional states passing these laws. So, you know, there's five on the ballot this year. There's another one, Oklahoma, that uh, looks like it's going to be on the ballot uh, early next year. And then this is something that's really uh, being talked about in legislatures around the country. And, and at this point, it's being talked about in governments uh, at the national level uh, in countries around the world. And, you know, it's really just a matter of time before we see uh, more normalization of this. We see uh, a broader, more globalized cannabis industry. Uh, there's certainly hurdles there when it comes to just here in this country, interstate commerce and, and the idea of, you know, having cannabis crossing state lines, much like we have citrus or, you know, vegetables or meat or anything else, you know, as a commodity, uh, but also the, the, the trade with other countries. I mean, there are some smaller countries, you know, countries that, you know, poorer nations that are situated in, in parts of the world where growing cannabis is, is, you know, they have optimal conditions mm -hmm. and perhaps this is a way for them to have an export that will bring some some additional money into their into their country so you know it's it's really just not a question of whether this is going to happen it's a question of how quickly um and with the recent news with uh president biden announcing uh his his pardons of of uh, past uh cannabis possession offenders um i think that we're going to start seeing things move even quicker because that's the the top you know, political official in the entire world, basically the most powerful political official in the, in the world, uh, basically saying it was wrong to, to criminalize people for using marijuana. And that begs the question of, you know, should we continue to criminalize people? And, uh, you know, the hope is that that's going to change here very soon. Mm -hmm. Well, a good friend of our show, Shane Hazel, he's uh, running for governor out there in, uh, in Georgia against uh, Brian Kemp and Stacey Abrams. And I think he was the only person really on stage who was making the argument like, why are we putting people in jail for a plant? And I think that's the the argument we have to really bring forward is that that's literally what we're doing at this point. And let's take it a step further. Let's look at other you know natural grown substances like mushrooms, for example, that we see criminalized more often than not. And yet there are states that are taking steps forward, some as recent as November this year, trying to, to actually legalize uh, mushrooms on the ballot. Talk to us about that, Brian. What's that looking like? Yeah, I mean, this is a pretty exciting development. Um, you know, it's long been known and there's a lot of research out there that shows that people that are suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder or other kind of serious mental issues can actually get a lot of um, assistance from, you know, natural medicines, whether that be psychedelic mushrooms or whether that's you know, Ibogaine or mescaline. And these, of course, are substances that have been criminalized for, you know, many, 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 many decades mm -hmm. in our country. Well, fortunately, um, you know, there's a movement to begin to, um, regulate these products and allow adults to access them in a sort of medical um, therapeutic atmosphere. And we actually are going to be voting on that here in Colorado statewide uh, in just about two weeks. So uh, Oregon did this a couple of years ago. Colorado will be the next state to kind of jump on board. And, you know, I think it just shows that the, the, the public is sort of expanding their thinking on the drug war and, and beginning to think that, hey, we shouldn't criminalize people for using substances that, you know, 
like just unambiguously assist them with their lives. Yeah. Well, and what I guess where are we seeing the next 10 years then for that, right? And that's the, the part that gets you excited because we talked about this in our, our episode we did yesterday, two days ago, where we're, I think we mentioned where when folks see something, you can't unsee it, right? And this is something that is true once you kind of get the, um, I mean, it's a slippery slope, right? Once you kind of start getting the, the opportunity moving forward, it gets a little bit easier because now people are starting to accept more and more like, okay, yeah, it's, it's, it's a plant. Yeah, it's I think, a mushroom. I think what you're describing is the gateway theory. Okay. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Gateway theory. Yeah, I learned about that in D.A.R.E., right? Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's obviously garbage, but but no, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, people people are starting to apply the same thinking to cannabis that, or excuse me, the psychedelics that they did to cannabis. Which, you know, as we're saying, with when it came to the work that we were doing leading up to legalization of cannabis, we were highlighting the fact that it was safer than alcohol because right. obviously, this is a country that recognizes, just naturally recognizes that alcohol prohibition was a failure. Mm -hmm. So. Once they know marijuana is less harmful than alcohol, that is very easy to arrive at the conclusion that prohibition of marijuana is a failure. And now, obviously, having that, you know, extending that discussion to some other substances, but, you know, it's, it's a bit of a different discussion. So with regards to, like, where things are heading, you know, it's probably going to be a very different, uh, a different landscape because these are different substances. And that's, you know, right. really what the the point of, of SAFER and, and all this was, is that different substances should be treated based on their their different properties and their their different potentials for harm and their different you know effects and that means that while sure cannabis should be you know available to adults much like alcohol in stores uh certain psychedelics maybe should only be available through therapeutic settings or with uh people who are, are professionals who are able to provide guidance on that and it shouldn't be just out there uh, at the store in the same way is that i guess because it's so different, right? Because, I mean, you're going from cannabis to psychedelics, which, I mean, it is quite a big jump, I guess, in terms of what it's actually doing, what the substances are actually doing to you. So in that case, do you think that's going to be a harder sell than it was for marijuana, for cannabis? Or is it going to be, again, more to your point, that argument of, well, no, this is in comparison to what we're using already that's more dangerous? Well, you know, I think the real question is, to what extent the details will be accurately portrayed mm. by the media and by, you know, folks uh, you're engaged in the public dialogue. I mean, uh, this is an initiative that is very different from what the, the marijuana legalization initiative looked like. Uh, this is one that, that does not, treat it like alcohol. This is one that allows for these therapeutic settings and, and so on. Yet we're still seeing, it described as legalization the same way that marijuana was described as legalization. And there are nuances there. And so I think a big question is going to be, you know, about how we describe these things, how we talk about them. And, and, you know, cause even the word legalized, I mean, it always frustrated me with, with marijuana. I mean, is alcohol legalized? Right. You know, yeah. If you're 21 or older and you're in a certain time and a certain place, you know, but it, it's more that it's regulated. And um, there's different levels of regulation. All right, gents, we're already getting to the part of the show where, unfortunately, we have to get ready to wrap things up. So I'd like to go ahead and give you guys both a chance for final thoughts. I guess anything in terms of uh, where you, you see things heading, what you want folks to take away from today's episode. Brian, let's start things off with you. Yeah, I think, I mean, we're at a, an amazing time in terms of, you know, watching the drug war, um, you know, to being dismantled in front of our eyes, you know, and, and the public has finally figured this out. 
Um, in terms of being 10 years into cannabis legalization, uh, you know, it's just been an unquestioned success in Colorado, whether from a tax revenue perspective, job production, not having higher youth usage rates, not having people driving high at higher rates. Um, so very, very positive. And then, you know, in terms of the, um, the moving around sort of other alternative medicines, including mushrooms, I think we'll see what the voters say on this in November. I, I feel like it's going to pass. Um, but it's, you know, it's good that we're kind of waking up as a society and realizing that prohibition is not always the right uh, policy. And let's look at alternatives. Mason. Well, you know, what else do you say? Um, you know, I, I, I really think that I guess what I'll talk about, what I'm most hopeful for is to just see a movement towards, you know, promoting as these products become more available, become legal, um, also a movement towards towards promoting the responsibility of, uh, when it comes to their use and ensuring, you know, these are new things for a lot of people. And even, you know, even people who maybe ate brownies with, with cannabis in them, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, um, products are, are different. There's constantly new things coming out and, uh, you know, Whereas with alcohol, um, it's pretty consistent. We know there's liquor. We know there's beer. Um, now we're starting to see a whole different type of product and, and different ways of, of being labeled and different ways of being able to identify how potent they are. And it's really important that the public keep up with those things and that they understand these things and, and, and whether it's, you know, understanding what the effects of psilocybin will be if they go to use it in a therapeutic setting or they understand uh, how an, an edible will affect them differently from a vape, you know, vape pen. Um, I think that, you know, right now this cannabis industry is really fighting to, to survive, to get its footing, to become, you know, to remain legitimate, uh, to eliminate the underground market that still exists because there's so many other States where it's still illegal. Um, but, uh, over time, we're, we're going to see more and more, you know, of a focus on on promoting responsibility among consumers and uh, and also, of course, having you know, the rules just honed in to, uh, you know, keep them sensible because, you know, a lot of them were created as if cannabis is toxic waste and needs to be treated that way. Um, but the rules are getting more sensible in a lot of ways and uh, we need people to to wisen up too. I guess my final thoughts would be it's it's so easy to think about like the the recreational side of things, right? Because that's I think that's where a lot of folks instantly gravitate towards. But I think I'm more excited about the folks that this is going to help and the folks that this has already helped. Back in uh, beginning of 2021, I got the chance to host a panel over uh, it was a microdose as a big uh, annual conference that they do. And to be able to talk to so many folks who were joining that that conference, but also we had uh, veterans who you know, tell the stories of not just what cannabis was doing for them, but also using psychedelics and mushrooms and such to be able to facilitate healing and, and dealing with their, their trauma, their PTSD, for example. And that's huge for a, a vast number of folks here just in America alone. So let's see what we can do that the progress we're making. I think it's important for, as you guys mentioned, to keep that moving forward. And it's on us to keep doing what we're doing here, having these conversations and also celebrating the wins 10 years. It's a big deal. So uh, congratulations to you gents for uh, making a real long lasting impact here as we approach the way we talk about drugs. We talk about cannabis and the way we're talking about uh, different uh, substances in the future. So with that being said, obviously we want to point folks to where they can go ahead, continue the conversation. So, so where can folks go ahead if they want to uh, learn more, reach out to you guys? What's the best way to do so? 
Sure. Well, they can certainly go to VicenteCederberg.com. That's the, the website of the law firm that I run. And we, we're involved in a lot of these campaigns and happy to help businesses that are uh, in this space or help activists along the way. Perfect. All right. And social media for they can find you guys individually? I've made the conscious decision to refrain. <laughs> <laughs> Stay out of the, for- the foray. But uh, but I'll just reiterate, you know, I mean, VS Strategies is is the name of the of the, the firm I'm at. But uh, you know, really, Vicente Cedarberg is, you know, in addition to obviously being able to learn about their services, they are providing a lot of commentary, a lot of analysis on the, the different laws that are coming out, the different regulations that are coming out. So there's a lot of interesting stuff there. Perfect. All right. Well, gentlemen, thank you for joining us here on today's episode. And folks, if you got some value from today's episode, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. Number one, go ahead and give today's episode a share. It's an important conversation to share. So when you do, please go ahead and tag yours truly at B Nichols Liberty. Share the message. And also, you want to help us have amazing guests like Mason and Brian on the program. Well, do me a favor. Go to briannicholsshow.com forward slash support and you can become a supporting listener. $5 a month over on Patreon or you can go ahead and give us a one-time PayPal donation over on, on PayPal. Yes, I know. I still am using PayPal. I know. Believe it or not. Uh, well, until they, they screw me over, of course, and then we'll have to reconsider. But anyways, well, that's a conversation for a different day. Folks, thank you for joining us. And by the way, did you check out our awesome conversation we had with Jason Loftus back uh, on our episode on tu- or Tuesday? Yeah, that's right, uh, where we talked about his brand new film. It's Canada's entry for the Academy Awards for International Best Film, Eternal Spring. Follows the story of the Falun Gong over in uh, communist China and the struggle they faced against the, the propaganda and what they did to help fight back. A great, great story. I'll go ahead and include that link for that episode right here below. Otherwise, folks, that's all I have for you. That being said, it's Brian Nichols signing off here on The Brian Nichols Show. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com. Enjoying the audio version of the show? Then you'll love our YouTube channel. Be sure to head over there and subscribe. And if you're new to The Brian Nichols Show, be sure to head to your favorite podcast catcher and click download all unplayed episodes so you don't miss one of our nearly 500 episodes that will be sure to leave you educated, enlightened, and informed. If you got value from today's episode, can you do me a favor and head to briannicholsshow.com forward slash support and leave us a $5 donation? And by the way, have you given the show a five-star review yet? If not, head to Apple Podcasts and tell folks why you listen to the program and don't forget to tell your friends to subscribe too. Follow me on social media at B Nichols Liberty. And again, if you'd be so kind, please consider making a donation to the Brian Nichols Show at briannicholsshow.com forward slash support. The Brian Nichols Show is supported by viewers like you. Thank you to our patrons, Daryl Schmitz, Michael Lima, Mitchell Mankiewicz, Cody Johns, Craig DaCosta, and the We Are Libertarians Network.